44 of the Chili on Your Boot podcast and it's just Riley and I today. We're going to talk about a bit of footy and then we'll have an exciting new segment later with one of our good friends joining the show. But just before we get into it, I'll mention our sponsor, Kremlin. Uh, you can get a 10% discount on any of their stock using the code BENM10. Just head to the link in our bio or check them out on Instagram at Kremlin and I'll also put the link in the show notes. But yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Riley, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well. It's great to be here. Um, get into a bit of footy, won't we, Bernie? We will. And starting with Thursday night, the Bulldogs got over the Suns narrowly. Um, it was an exciting game of footy. Yeah, it was. It was unfortunately not on seven, so I struggled to comprehend how that's a prime time game for the Suns. But anyway, it was still a good game of footy despite the low scoring. The Suns have been pretty impressive and we haven't had the chance to talk about them this year, obviously. So they have been impressive and they put it up to a pretty good side in the Bulldogs and I think they deserve to win. But unfortunately for the Suns, the Dogs got up by five points. Yeah, well, the Suns, I think they've got a great mix now. They brought in Ellis, who's obviously got a lot, had a lot of success at the Tigers and got a lot of knowledge about the game and also Hugh Greenwood and then obviously with the young talent they brought in as well. Raul and Anderson, um, it's turning out pretty well for them now. Things are looking up. Well, I think, yeah, as well as their captain, Jared Witts, he was a pretty average ruckman for the Magpies when he was back there a few years ago and he's turned into not only a great ruckman but a great leader for them now. And Took Miller is another player. Lockie Well is developing. They've got a great... They've got some good mature age players and that young list is starting to come to fruition. So... It's exciting times for the Suns, and I don't think they'll make the finals this year, but it's yeah. certainly looking on the outwards trend. Well, I think with the impact that Raul had in his first few games, and then now obviously he's injured, that's probably going to hurt them a little bit, just because of the impact that he had. Definitely, but it, it just brought a whole new exciting feel to watching Gold Coast football. Like People generally in their 10 years or whatever they've been in the competition would get bored watching a Suns game, but it actually made you want to watch yeah. them. And they played exciting football without him. And they still, they won last week and unfortunately went down on Thursday. So yeah, it's good for them. And the Doggies, they sit in third despite not playing that as to their potential, I wouldn't have thought. No, they've been a bit up and down. Um, obviously, I think the first game back, they got hammered by St Kilda, but... They turned it around against the Giants a few weeks ago and since then they've been played some good footy but also been a bit inconsistent. Yeah, I think that's the nature of this season. It's going to fluctuate and given the 20-day uh, straight of football where everyone's going to play four games, it's probably it's subject to some wins that you wouldn't expect and some losses that you also wouldn't expect. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain some consistency throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. Just back to the Suns, we didn't get a chance to see Isaac Rankin all last year through injury, but he's coming in also, like many of their young players, had a really big impact. And he's very exciting. He's got plenty of people talking. Well, just like Rowley, it just makes you want to watch them. And that, well, you kicked two of the best goals you've ever seen on debut, kicked another good one last week and had the chance to draw the match on Thursday night and unfortunately missed where... Oh, yeah, good mark. And I expected him to kick it, but 
if you can do that in your first three games, you're going to have a very exciting and hopefully long career. So, yeah, once again, very good for Gold Coast football. Hopefully the injuries that he experienced last year don't come back. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Stuart, Stuart Jew's got them playing some great footy and he's been rewarded with a contract extension, I think, so that's good for him. Yeah, definitely. But I can't believe... Like, no one's talked about how it wasn't on seven. There was all this talk about first prime time, everything like that, and every... Thursday night game has been on seven until that game. I don't really get that. I don't know if Ooh. it's because of the 20 days of footy or that's coming well, up. Well, I hope it's not because of the Suns because they deserved one. And I can't remember ever seeing them on um, free-to-air television. So, I, like, I was looking forward to seeing how someone like Bruce McAvaney, like, commentated the Suns because he yeah. never would have done it. So, yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was something I was looking forward to and was quite disappointed when it was on Fox. But, yeah. Anyway, um, the Friday night, the Tigers got beaten by the Giants. Just too wasteful in front of goal, unfortunately. But well done to the Giants. Yeah, well, Giants needed to win. There was nothing more to it, really. They were three and four going into it, I believe. And they're obviously four and four now. So it was a must-win game. They had some big players that needed to step up, namely their captain, Cornelio. And I think he played a relatively good game. So. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I think the Tigers probably are the better side, but they, as you said, wasted their opportunity in front of goal. Yeah, it was interesting going in. Like, you weren't too sure because both teams had a lot to play for with Giants obviously needing the win. But Richmond, um, from the sad passing of Shane Tuck, um, you thought that they'd really want to win for him. So it was hard to, to sort of know which way it would go. But I don't know if that affected the way they played at all. Um, obviously, pretty sad week. Well, yeah, there's obviously been some players like yeah, Cotchins and Revolts that would have been extremely close to him that played mm. with him. So, yeah, as you said, incredibly sad news and yeah. not something you wish upon anyone. And, yeah, it's one of those where both teams had so much to play yeah. for. You're not sure which one will go, where it will go. So, yeah. And um, condolences to the Tuck family as well. Yeah, absolutely. Then yesterday afternoon, the Blues got over the... Kangaroos in a pretty scrappy and wet game, but a game that the Blues needed to win, especially after such a narrow loss last week to the ladder leading power. Yeah, and it was that last quarter I sort of I didn't watch too much of the game, but did watch a bit of the last quarter and it looked like it could go the same the same way as the Port game the week before, but credit to them for I suppose learning from their mistakes in the back end of that game last week and um using it to help them get over the line. Well, I think that was their fifth game this year under 10 points. Yeah. And they've won three of them, so that's a better record. And they eased, they should have beat Melbourne, I would have thought. And who was it last week, obviously? They, sh- they probably should have beat Port. So yeah. they could easily be in the top four. And they're an exciting team to watch when they're on. You know, Walsh, he hasn't really been spoken about much this year due to the um, talent from Real and the likes. So... I think he's starting to get that recognition of how good a player he still is and he's going to have a very, very long future as a captain yeah. of the club. I think it's Kane Corns who um, thinks that Rosie is the better player to come out of that draft, but I think they've oh, both definitely. got plenty of upside and they're sort of different players, but yeah, it's sort of hard to pick. Maybe 10 well, I think years track will be able to tell the difference a bit more. I think there's a bit of Port Adelaide bias in Kane. Oh, yeah, there, for sure. So... But yeah, Walsh is a star. 
he took one of the more courageous marks you're likely to yeah. see last week, which was, I think that's really, and he played a good game and he played well yesterday. I think that sparked conversation about him again. Well, I think that was, for him to take that mark too, it helped quite a lot because um, I think there's been a bit of talk that maybe he's a bit soft. He doesn't attack the footy hard enough. So to put that, uh, those uh, rumours, I suppose, to bed is good for him. Definitely. And then the afternoon slash twilight game, the Swans at home for the first time this year got a win over the struggling Hawks. Yeah, and a bit of controversy to come out of this. Clarko's had a bit more to say about the umpires. But, um, yeah, pretty... I mean, two struggling teams. Wasn't too sure how this game would go. But um, the Swans, yeah, too good, obviously. But close games. Interesting, like Swans Hawks games for the last probably ten years have been yeah. highly talked about a massive rivalry due to grand finals and that kind of thing. And I mean, given their position on the ladder, you heard very little during the, throughout the week. So yeah, yeah, it's sort of funny with like the past big games that they've had have been when they've been at the top end of the ladder, and this was very different to what we're used to with both being lower on the ladder, but still. Good game, close game. Yep, and obviously Tom Papley continued his great form throughout this season, kicking four and taking a pretty convincing lead in the Coleman race. And yeah. he had a couple of stouches with Tom Mitchell and the Hawks boys. He kicked two in a minute, drew to a free kick in the goal square, kicked another pretty incredible goal. So yeah. he's exciting and he's a bit of a, he's a, reminds me a lot of Toby Green, who we didn't speak yeah. about actually dominate on Friday night. And they just, they get inside people's heads, but they're also they're very good yeah. players, kick goals. So yeah. Well, I don't really agree with what Clarko said. I I haven't watched him play before and think thought, oh yeah, gee, gets a lot of free kicks. Um, so yeah, probably a bit out of line, I think. Yeah, and Longmire wasn't impressed. Mm. One thing he said in his press conference, you don't say anything about opposition players, which I, I tend to agree with. And he was strong on that after Hardwick's comments as well. So yeah, so, um, it's gonna, It might be an interesting dinner at Gill's Place yeah. later in the year when they, <laughs> all, when they all sit around the table. Yeah. Um, but Papley, gee, the Blues would have loved to have him this year, wouldn't they? Well, it came out throughout the week that they're going to make a, some massive assault for him uh, in oh. this year's off-season. I think so, they'd be silly not to. Well, because they they were so close, he wanted to go there. I think, I think, I don't know how that would change in in a year that he wouldn't want to go there all of a sudden. And Swans, Swans are probably more like Blues are going up, and the Swans have been successful in the past, but I think they're on a bit of a downward trajectory. Um, Yeah, they've got a young list. Yeah, it might be pretty enticing for him, but just whether the Swans let him go. But credit to him, given he's wanted to go and he wasn't yeah. able to get there, but he stayed and he's playing the best footy of his career. He hasn't obviously let it affect him or yeah. anything like that. And I think the good players do that. Yeah, definitely. And last night, the Saints, in an exciting win over the power, they power on top of the ladder um, and the Saints have gone over and beat them on their home turf. Very good effort. Well... Before Monday night, they'd never won a game with the Adelaide Oval in their history. And then they've won two in a week. So, yeah. pretty impressive stuff for the Saints. Obviously, it's been a dry period since that 
2010-11 sort of period. So it's good to see them. They're in the top four as it stands. And it was a close game up until three-quarter time. And then they just blew them out of the water, ending up 29-point winners. So yeah. definitely exciting times. And the Saints fans are up and about, aren't they? We saw a friend of the show, Henry Bench, on the Facebook <laughs> flag Saints. Um, maybe a bit premature, but we'll see what happens. They should play finals, I think. I think if there's ever a year for you to come from the clouds like this, it would be this year. Like, yeah. I think it's the most wide open race. Like, I still I can't rule out Carlton yet, even yeah. though they're not going to win the flag. But I can't rule them out if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I think if you make the finals, you're every chance. That's my philosophy anyway. I think the opportunity for Port, a team like Port or the Bombers, is never been better in terms of the circumstances. And they're teams yeah. that really need to, I suppose, have some final success. Well, they're teams that are probably ready-made and they're not obviously the Richmond, Collingwood, Geelong's West mm. Coast. So, yeah, I think Port would be disappointed with that loss, but yeah. still very happy with the start they've got off for this season. Yeah, well, they're still 7-2 and two and they've got... Um, no, 6-2. and 6-2. and two. Yeah, if they had a 1, they would have gone 7-1. and one. Um, but they're, they've got games at home now, so there's no real excuses for them to not finish in the top four, I don't think. No, much agreed. And then this afternoon, we're obviously here on a Sunday morning uh, doing this. This Do afternoon, a bit of a preview. The Crows, yeah, the Crows and the Bombers. That should be, you'd expect, a fairly comfortable win to the yeah. Bombers who have a game in hand playing some relatively good football, but they're still a bit inconsistent, but they should beat Adelaide. Yeah, it's a bit of a danger game for them. Um, the Crows have showed a bit more, I suppose, positive signs than the last few few weeks, um, especially last week. They were all right against the Saints. But, yeah, where is it being played? It's at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, okay. Well, that gives the Crows a bit of a chance. Yeah. Um, and the Bombers do have a habit of losing these sort of games. So, well, yeah, they've, they've beaten Collingwood a couple of weeks ago. This is the type of game mm. that they could lose. But, yeah, as you said just before, if they're going to give themselves any chance of fighting for a premiership, these are the games they have to win and win yeah. convincing. Because and percentage could come into play. And Bombers, are, they're a team that you sort of learn more about them in these sort of games rather than when they're playing the heavyweights of the competition, I think. Like, yeah, it definitely. must be just a motivation type of thing or they think it's going to happen for them, but it'll be interesting to see if they can sort of put that to bed. Yeah, definitely very psychological. And then following that, the Eagles at home in front of what's likely to be a loud and biased crowd against the Pies. It's going to be probably... It's probably the match of the round, given... They're yeah. two very good teams that have played, obviously, in the grand final against each other only two years ago. So this is one many would be looking forward to, but especially those in WA. Yeah, a bit of a modern-day rivalry um, with the last few years. And it's going to be interesting. I doubt there'll be many Pies fans there, and the ones that are there, they're going to struggle to be heard. <laughs> yeah, well, Collingwood actually have a very good record on the road, and it's well-renowned that they travel quite well together. and. They did beat West Coast over there last year by two points, I think. Yeah. So I certainly wouldn't rule them out. They're a very good team, and I 
I predict them for the premiership at the start of the year. So I think these are the type of games where we really see how good Collingwood is, to be honest. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd back them in. Yeah, for sure. And then the last game today, the Lions at Metricon over the Ds. You'd think, obviously, Mount been playing well in recent weeks, but you think Brisbane are probably premiership favourites at this stage. So you believe they'd get up. Yeah, well, it's, it is interesting and it's probably one that the Ds have to win if they're to prove to the footy world that they're, they've gotten past, I suppose, last year's horror season. Yeah, but if they lose, I'm not yeah. ruling them out that they've improved because Brisbane are a very good side. But if Melbourne win this, like they're, they've got a game in hand. They're probably still in the finals race if they win today. Yeah, I think if they win, it'll be an upset. And if they lose, it'll be about how they lose, whether it was, you know, a close game or whether they yep. get blown out. Well, definitely. I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about sacking Goodwin. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's, that's going to happen. Like, by the end of today, Goodwin might be the best coach in the league if he beats Brisbane <laughs> yeah. and they win three in a row with a game in hand and they'd be in the top eight, I think. So... It just shows you the nature of this season, how quickly things can change. And look, I'm a fan of both teams, so I'm not sure who I'm actually prefer to win. But for the D's sake, I think to make the season more interesting and wide open, I'd like to see them get up today. Yeah, just to go go for footy today. It'll be, it'll be good for footy, just good game. So hopefully that's the case. And then we've got the Dockers and the Cats at Optus. Tomorrow, another Monday night game. So, plenty of footy on at the moment. Um, and you'd think the Cats should get up in that one. You would, but the Dockers have been fairly impressive in the last month or so. And their losses earlier in the season were pretty close. So, I think they're an okay side that can take it up to the good teams. But Geelong will be looking to bounce back. And, yeah, you'd expect them to win. But it is in Perth, so... Yeah, it'd be an interesting one, that one. And Monday yeah. Night Footy, that could throw a few people off from the Cats. Yeah. Um, and then we've obviously got the start of the footy bonanza or whatever they're calling it. 20 days of footy, 33 games, I think. So it's an exciting time. And that kicks off with the doggies and the tigers. So, Wednesday yeah, that'd be interesting. Tigers looking yeah, to well, bounce back. It's just... A bizarre time, but it is exciting. Twenty days of football, yeah. you you don't ask for much more than that, really. So yeah, it's sort I mean, of a, one round. Yeah, uh, for the traditionalists, I suppose, and you really look forward to the weekend when or Friday night when you've got um, got games on just on the weekend. So from that sense, it might be you know the novelty wearing off a little might wear off towards the back end of it but yeah it's sort of going to be a bit more like the big bash isn't it yeah well one round starts on monday and ends on friday so that's unheard of so yeah it's certainly be certainly be interesting but it's going to be the most important 20 days of the season because yeah everything's going to happen so quickly you might be in finals contention today but you know a month's time you might have lost four of the five games and you're out of the race so It'll be definitely be interesting to see and interesting to see how teams manage their players. Yeah, it also will be important for us to see how we uh, manage with our homework and that sort of thing with lots of footy on. 
yeah, I think it's going to have to... I'm just going to have to trade it like a normal season and only watch the weekend games because yeah. it's well, I suppose not going to bode well during term three of year 12. No, but we've, we've sort of had to deal with it with Thursday night footy, so I'm sure we'll, uh, sure we'll work out what works for us. Yeah, definitely. So, And the ladder as it stands, it's a bit irrelevant given it's during the halfway point of a round, but Port currently sit on top. And then followed by the Lions and the Saints, as we said, sitting third. And the Doggies ran out top four. And then the Pies, Tigers, Cats and the Suns, which is obviously exciting times. And it's not like they're sitting eighth and it's not like they've been in there for a week. They've been there since round four or even three. So it's definitely good for them to see them consistently holding down a top eight spot. And hopefully they can for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a different looking top eight to previous years, which is good to see a bit of, I suppose, um, variety. And yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've established the bottom five in Sydney, Hawthorne, Fremantle, North, and Adelaide. You would expect that wouldn't change, but I would nearly say, other than that, the rest, the other thirteen teams, can make the top eight to be yeah. honest. Yeah, for sure. At this stage still. So certainly an interesting time for football, an exciting time, an unprecedented time, but we love it nonetheless. Yeah, no, we love that word, don't we? We've, uh, yeah. Well, it it's, become, it's, become, it's become a bit more precedented now. But yeah, well, the word unprecedented has become precedented. Yeah, the new norm. Anyway... I did mention earlier that we've got a new segment on the show and here it is now. Good friend of ours, Harrison Bright's joining us to talk all things UFC. He's going to become our new UFC correspondent. So we're thrilled to have him on and over to you, Riley, to welcome him onto the show. Harry, welcome to the Chew and Your Boot podcast, mate. It's great for you to join us. It's been a little bit in the making, but we're glad that you're here. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. Been in the works for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it certainly has. Obviously, our resident UFC correspondent, and there was a big day in the world of UFC today. And your man, well, our man, Australia's man, Rob Whittaker, got up by unanimous decision, defeating Till. Can you take us through that one? Yeah, I thankfully got home in time to watch that full match. And in the first round, it was. A kind of feeling out period. Neither fighter really wanted to show the other their skills. They both kind of, they both came into the fight saying they didn't want to wrestle. They wanted to stand and trade. And Till knocked down um, Whitaker with an elbow early. Um, Rob recovered, and then for the rest of the fight, um, Whitaker managed to mix it up and change directions, change angles, change attacks. Whereas Till kept trying to just land the left hand and. You know, in the last rounds, his coaches egged him on and said, you've got to go. And he, he tried, but I think Whitaker fought the smart, smart fight and edged out the decision. And I think it was a very good performance by him after what happened against Adesanya. But as an Aussie, we're always happy to see Rob win. So you especially, I know you're a massive fan of Rob, would have been very happy with that one. Yeah, I've um, been. Fo- he was the first Australian that I heard of in the UFC, and obviously our first UFC champion. So it's good to see him get back in the winners' column. And Harry, just 
don't be afraid to correct Riley. I'm pretty sure he pronounced Rob Whitaker's name wrong. So keep keep him on his toes. I'll do my best. Some of these names are a bit out there. I, I doubt you'll be able to name the other blokes on this card. Yeah, I'm going to struggle honest. with this next one. But in the light heavyweight, Rua won by decision over Noguera. Noguera. No, so, Noguera. No Can you take us through that yeah. one, mate? Yeah, so just a bit of clarification. Rua, his nickname is Shogun. And um, Noguera, his nickname is Lil Nog because he has a twin brother named Big Nog. <laughs> so those two have been, those two have had a, this is their trilogy fight and they first fought 15 years ago before the UFC was even a really big thing. They fought another um, organization called Pride and both times um, Rua had beaten him by decision and I backed him to do pretty much the same um, this time. He, you know, they're both quite old fighters. They've been in the game for a very long time, both experienced, both know their opponent very well. So it was quite a calculated match, but in the last, um, in the last rounds, you could kind of sense that both of them, you know, Shogun um, is thinking about still competing, but Lil Nog, he's 44 and he was kind of in that last round was really going for it and swinging for the hills and kind of wanted to make a statement. He lost by decision. So um, Shogun has the um, three and O in the trilogy but all three are very entertaining fights and a good way to end that chapter absolutely and then still be on the main card still be going at 44 it's very good effort you don't see that in many other sports yeah mma is weird that way mate it's you see a lot of you see a lot of people who you know rob whitaker is considered in his prime but he's 29 you see footballers at that age and you know most of them are already starting to think about the latter end of their career and a lot of top MMA talents is in their mid-30s and some of them are getting close to 40 and it's it's a young man's game but it's an old man's game when you get in there if you want to stay. Yeah and I suppose we've seen ex-NRL players and AFL players go into boxing and that sort of thing after their careers so it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's weird. To, it's, it's nice seeing... Um, those kind of sports stars transition to the other things that they find passionate with Barry Hall and Paul Gallen and those kind of competitors. So yeah, MMA is, it's a bit different, but it, it provides a lot of entertainment for a lot of people. Definitely. And then final match on the main card, the heavyweights, Wordham won by submission, defeating Gus DeFasson. Gustafson. So I won't, I won't go off at you for this one. So it's <laughs> Verdum. I don't know why it's Brazilian, but um, Verdum beats Gustafson. Gustafson twice challenged, or no, sorry, three times he has challenged for the light heavyweight title at 205 pounds. Uh, he retired last year and decided to come back out of retirement, move up a weight class. And most people actually, he was a very heavy favorite coming into this fight. Fabricio Verdum um, lost his last bout and he was quite sluggish in it and not many people thought he had it in him. And even he said it was his last fight in the UFC. But, um, you know, he came out and secured the takedown and then all of a sudden it was a ground game. And usually Gustafson's very good on the grounds, but he got caught. And in that game, when you get caught, it's 
that you can't have any it's not a replay you can't it's not like football where you get a goal kicked on you and have a chance to redo it if you lose once and you lose the entire match so yeah bit of a shame I was back in Gustafson but um it's good to see Verdun get back in the winners column as well and I saw in your story that uh obviously very pumped about Whitaker's win but can you take us inside the nickname Reaper where's that come from uh, I'm not really sure. He, um, he's just kind of all, a lot of these people when they get their nicknames, it just kind of comes up. You know, sometimes announcers will make it up for them. I think it was just because of the Reaper in terms of exact, literally exact violence on his opponents. He's a very, he's a traditional martial artist, Robert. He's quite. Um, you see him in comparison to Darren Till. If you watch the highlights, Darren Till is a Muay Thai fighter and he's kind of more flat-footed and pressuring, whereas you watch Robert and he's bouncing around like a karate specialist. But, um, yeah, he has that nickname. I don't really know where Rip, Reaper comes from. I do know where his other one comes from. His other nickname is um, Bobby Knuckles. So short for Robert, Bob. And um, Knuckles, well, self-explanatory considering his <laughs> profession. But, yeah, he's... He's probably Australia, one of Australia's best talents going around. And I reckon, you know, his next fight would possibly be for the title. That's very good. That's very Great exciting times. And is there anything else exciting upcoming in the world of UFC, Harry? Um, well, on the 17th of August for Australians and 16th for Americans, um, the trilogy fight for the heavyweight championship of the world between Daniel Cormier and um, Stipe Miocic. That has been... Daniel Cormier was a light heavyweight champ. He moved up to heavyweight to become a double champ. And he knocked out Miocic in the first rounds. And everyone was kind of shocked. And, you know, he was laying claim to being one of the greatest. And um, Miocic is a one of the most underrated fighters in the world. He's a full-time firefighter, so he doesn't... He also... He's basically UFC's his side job, and he's known as the baddest man on the planet. But in the second fight um, last year, he beat um, Daniel Cormier. And so that just set it up perfectly for a trilogy fight where, you know, Daniel Cormier is, I think, 42 now. So if he loses this fight, he says he's going to retire. He says he might even retire. So this fight is really for bragging rights and for um, legacy. So that's coming up. Um, in terms of what's happening in Oceanic, um, New Zealand's Israel Adesanya, a couple of days ago, announced um, his next title defense against the Brazilian Paulo Costa in the middleweight division. And that will be a very entertaining fight because Costa is quite the machine he walks forwards he's big he's strong he's fast and he just throws bombs and Adesanya is a lot more wiry quick a lot more of efficient striker so it's a very interesting stylistic matchup and just before you mention one of the fighters is also a firefighter do many of them have any side jobs or is UFC their main main thing uh it's quite difficult for a lot of them when they first start out, because obviously, you know, even people like Conor McGregor, they, when they start out, they start out on the prelims, you know, they don't get paid a lot of money. Um, so a lot of them have side jobs. A lot of them, 
And that's the thing that shocks people. They think these people are just born and bred to do this when a lot of the times they, you know, a lot of them hold university degrees because they're collegiate wrestlers. A lot of them have doctorates and they're very, they have jobs on the sides. And I mean, Stipe could not be a firefighter if he wanted to, but it's one of his passions and it's what he enjoys. So, you know, as you, when you first start out in the UFC, absolutely. That's kind of what you have to do. You have to have a side job. And um, if you work your way up, if you're an entertaining fighter, if you, move your way up in the rankings, eventually get paid enough and you get sponsors. And yeah, it's a, it's a tough sport to break into, but once you just, once you break into it, you can stay there for quite a while. Absolutely. Well, Harry, thanks for joining us, mate. It's pretty impressive the amount of knowledge you have about the world of USC. So it's glad you've been able to get it out there and thanks for joining us. Thanks boys. Thanks for having me. Now, you definitely know your stuff. It's a credit to you. Um, it was a pleasure to listen to. Cheers, Benny. Cheers, Rob. Thank no you. No worries, Harry. That wraps us up for another episode of the Chewy on Your Boot podcast. Thanks to Harry for coming on. It was great to listen to his endless knowledge of the UFC world. And, yeah, stay tuned for some more episodes. We've got some guests in the works. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. <laughs>